I don't think Lightning was ever the scaling solution um, be all and end all, but represents one of many scaling solutions that we're going to have to do anyways. Good morning, Bitcoiners, or good afternoon, or even good evening. Depends where you are, I guess. Depends what time it is. Depends what time you're listening to this show. But it's the morning here in Bedford. I'm about to go and do Steve Lubka proud. I'm about to go and do a walk. Been hitting that every day. Been training twice a day, trying to get myself fit for the new season. Not because I'm going to play. Just need to live a little bit longer. Need to get rid of this fat belly. Anyway, listen, how are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Iris Energy, the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got my boy, Connor Oakers, on the show. Now, I first met Connor nearly two years ago, not long after I bought Rail Bedford. He was introduced to me. I was told there was a Bitcoiner who used to play for West Ham. And he was interested in getting involved in the club. So I met up with Connor in London. He ended up joining the team. He's actually the only player who's played for Rail Bedford who's had his salary paid in Bitcoin, which is pretty rad. Now, Connor isn't just an ex-footballer. He also works for Spiral. He's a product manager there. And so obviously in this show, we get into professional football and from going to that to being a Bitcoin developer. Now, listen, it's come up a few times recently. People are like, why are you talking about football? I don't like football. And I keep saying to everyone, stop thinking about this as a football project. It is a Bitcoin project. If you like Bitcoin adoption, if you think like Bitcoin Park in Nashville, if you like the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, if you like El Zonte, what's happening in El Salvador, just think of what is happening in Bedford as another Bitcoin project just through the lens of football. And you know what? It's working. We get a bunch of people down here for our meetups. We are spreading the knowledge of Bitcoin via football. Okay, also, before we get into the show, I do have an announcement. We're going to be doing a bit of a last-minute live event in Nashville in a couple of weeks at Bitcoin Park. We're going to have Preston Pish and Matt O'Dell, and hopefully one or two more people. We're trying to confirm. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's very soon. If you want to come and join us for that live event, please head over to whatbitcoindid.com and click on WBD Live. And any questions about this or anything else, please email me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Colorocus. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Why are you late? I was late. Yeah, you were late. Why were you late? You... It's 12 o'clock start now. Isn't bring, it? bring the mic in. 12 o'clock start you're and the... I arrived at 12 o'clock now. You're the big man. Now you're five minutes nah, late. It's, it's, it's the Miami heat, man. Sometimes it slows you down. You Literally know? the only one who's been late this whole trip, isn't he? <laughs> the only one. The only one. We need to cancel you. And I'm the least notable guest as well. No one knows who I am as well. So I've got no right to be doing that as well. Yeah, but you're my favourite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. No, I'm fucking with you. You're my favourite, <laughs> man. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too, man. So we heard you're a really likeable guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you good, know good from good sources. I mean, it's, you're the source. I'm the source. Yeah, you called yourself a likeable guy. <laughs> did I really? When did I do that? I didn't do that. Did I genuinely do that? <laughs> well, someone I mean, did it. Someone did it, but it, it was said in the first person on the Spiral website. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm a likeable guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's probably uh, our creative guy who's uh, come up with that. You are an annoyingly likeable guy, though. Seriously. Yeah, man, you are annoying. Not, I mean, it's not a bad trait to have. No, it's a great it's, trait. It's not, it's not a bad trait to you're, have. You're a good guy. <laughs> I'd like getting to know you, man. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for all your help with Rail Bedford. Uh, do you know what? I've got so much FOMO, though, man, because I've moved from London to Miami and being able to see you guys, like, celebrate and stuff in person, I, I'm not going to lie, it, it brings a tears to my eyes not to be there. Like, that first trophy, those first two trophies, like... Seeing, seeing the lads, what they've been able to achieve this year. Because, um, I mean, the, the journey started last year. I was playing for the team yep. and, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And to, to see where it's gone on, it's like, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Well, and it's just getting started as well. Like, most people don't know it's just getting started. And for me, to bring the football and the Bitcoin together, it's like, if you would have told me five, six, seven years ago, would this be my career? I'd be <laughs> like, what are you on about? Like, I just, you know... Well, you were so, there from the start, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Was it Steve Lee got in touch? Said, yeah, yeah. As, as soon as you, like, tweeted about you're buying a football club, I was like, I've still got a bit of legs in me. Like, <laughs> whether I'm participating on the field or off the field with the Bitcoin stuff, I'm like, I need to be involved somehow, you know, so. Well, he got in touch. He said, you got to meet Connor, Connor Ocus. And I Googled you. I'm like, oh, West Ham. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Having himself. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, I th was it me and Connor met you and... Meet you down in London. Um, yeah, yeah. So we went for a like a, a 
Yeah, before yeah. the Tottenham versus Liverpool game, um, I came with my friend Abs. We just sat down, had a coffee in Edmonton. Yeah. Good old Edmonton. And um, yeah, just discussing football, your plans, like how we can help. You got it from the start, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and you're the only player who played for us who's got paid in Bitcoin. I know, right? So I can go I go down in history <laughs> Yeah, so to some degree, right? So People are like, are the players getting paid in Bitcoin? I'm like, they don't give a fuck about Bitcoin. <laughs> That's not true, actually, now. But They're they asking. should, though. I know that. We need to sit them down and be like, lads, Nine even years. if it's a 10%, 20% of, like, start thinking about it, yeah. 90 is, 90 asked me about it. Okay. Yeah, 90's, okay. Buying, 90's buying Bitcoin and uh, I think he's buying some shit coins as well but <laughs> a couple of them asked, what we're going to do this year, we're going to we're gonna do the tipping during a game. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. a player scores, I mean, yeah. favours the goal scorers yeah. uh, or man of the match but we're going to flash up QR codes yeah, and yeah. tip the players, I yeah. think that's going to be cool. Oh, that'd be amazing, yeah. I don't think many, I think when I first announced it, nobody got it. I think some people like football mm. kind of get it mm. but I still think a lot of people like, you know, Right now, there'll be people listening going, what the fuck are you talking about football for? Talk about Bitcoin. I don't mm-hmm. think they fully, like, they don't grok what we're trying to do here. How would you explain it to a Bitcoin who doesn't give a shit about football? No, to be honest, like, the, the Bitcoin is, is very much secondary to what you're trying to do anyway. Like, when you come down to the club, if you're not a Bitcoin or into Bitcoin, you probably wouldn't even really notice that there's a lot of Bitcoin um, initiatives underpinning what the football club are doing. Um, so from that perspective, it's, it's just a, a, a grassroots football club trying to do the right things, grow the community, move up the leagues in you know a sustainable fashion. It just so happens that Bitcoin is being used in a number of different ways, from like a treasury reserve asset to you know helping the community understand how they can accept Bitcoin to educational efforts. So um, you know. Bitcoin represents like a, a secondary part of the football club. It, it is a football club first and foremost. Absolutely. And, and that's what you're trying to do, right? Um, but, you know, you know some some big people in the Bitcoin space who can help with sponsorships and help get the word out and um, kind of leveraging the fact that Bitcoin is a grassroots movement. Um, the, the club you've acquired so happens to be at the, you know, the very grassroots of, of football. The two are kind of merging. You get to leverage this kind of worldwide fan base as well. Um, I know you mentioned it a few times as well, how you kind of compare it to like the El Salvador and it being like very much an underdog as well. So yeah. Bitcoiners are kind of attracted to the story of Royal Bedford as well. Yeah, what I've said to people is like, yeah, when people are like, oh, I want to do something with Bitcoin, I want to get yeah. into Bitcoin. It's like, bring it into what you know, exactly, do or know. Yeah, yeah. You know, Michael Peterson brought it into a community in El Salvador where he was trying to help kids. He was on a mission. Yeah. He's trying to help kids get away from gangs. And he brought Bitcoin into that. In Austin, they've created the Bitcoin Commons for yeah. local business to use it. Perth Heat, they brought it into their okay. baseball team. Oh, yeah, yeah. I brought it into a football team. Someone can do a rugby team. You can find a a young swimmer, you can sponsor them. You can bring Bitcoin into anything you're doing and just make it part of it. But yeah. what, what I think always happens is, is like every if you bring Bitcoin into what you do every four years, you have a competitive advantage on everyone else. Mm. You just have that thing that clicks through. Yeah. Plus, it's also a hack. Yeah. You have this global community to tap into. I got all the all the people who like football like Bitcoin. They're like, Real Bedford, that's my team. Literally. And just culturally as well, I mean, like if you can go to a game and you can pay for your beer in Bitcoin or pay for your tea in Bitcoin, it's a way of introducing people to Bitcoin without forcing it down their throats. Yeah. Um, So when you start seeing music merge with Bitcoin, sports merge with Bitcoin, all of these different avenues, it kind of just becomes part of the the norm slowly but surely. And people don't really realize it. And in 10 years, 15 years, of course, like when I'm traveling from El Salvador to Bedford to watch a game, I don't, I don't, need British pounds I just you know Tell just my Bitcoin. top up with my Bitcoin go to watch a game buy a tea beer whatever and it's just normal you know so. yeah I think I think a lot of people actually think we're going to get in the Premier League I think they're convinced like so <laughs> they don't realise how tough it is no. <laughs> do you know I, I'm watching like Man City and thinking football's kicked on as well man mm. like you really need a lot of money to compete at the highest of levels now and whether or not we'll have that war chest come 15, 20 years from now, like hopefully Bitcoin does what what we think it might do price-wise and that represents like a a, a hefty sum of money to spend on players, stadiums, all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, football is need a lot of money to compete at the highest level now. Yeah, but... Maybe not even the highest level. Even look at Wrexham. I was watching Wrexham yeah. the other day. I'm like, 
Well, their wage bill must have been two and a half, three million quid. I'm like, oh, this is conference league football. When I was playing oh. football like 10, 10 years ago, like conference was seen as like, if you was playing in a conference, you was on like a couple hundred pounds a week. Now players are getting a couple grand a week to play fourth, fifth tier English football. Hold on, isn't Mullen on like eight, ten grand a week or something? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But also I think I think they'll go straight up again. Yeah. Because I, I think well. League Two I think League Two is kind of a dip down the, the top of League Two is not as competitive as the top of no. the conference. No. No. Yeah, um, you see a lot of teams getting back to back promotions that do conference League Two. Even League One it starts getting but it can be done, but League One onwards it starts getting a bit more difficult, I think. I think Wrexham will be in the Premier League within a decade. If they stay interested and keep pushing it, mm. they've got the local support. They can build out the stadium. Yeah. They've got commercial interest that was driving forward. I think I think they can do it. I think of us as the small version of them. Our competitive advantage is whatever's in our treasury, every four years it might do a five X. Yeah. You know, so say we had a million in there, yeah. it could be five million, then twenty five million and so on. Yeah. And so like in twenty twenty years, maybe we are in the football league trying to get in the championship. Yeah. We could be in a financial better financial position than them. But we also have this global community. So Yeah. How 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 are you managing trying to like even just the financial side, just to make sure the club stays sensible and doesn't, you know, overdo it on the finance side? Because even a couple of leagues above where we're at, clubs are playing paying players silly money. Like, how do you, how are you thinking about managing? You just have a budget. Yeah. I've written the budget. Yeah. My goal every year is to have, it's not necessarily to have the biggest budget, but just have to have a budget that can put you in contention for promotion. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, you know, we've got to be able to have a go. I don't want to sit around and, and it might change. We might, you know, if we get step three or step two, it might be like, well, hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to breathe for a bit and breathe for a year or two. Yeah. But momentum is super important. Mm. Building this story is super important. Engaging with sponsors is super important. Um, but it's just a business, Connor. It's like, yeah. okay, all the successful clubs out there who haven't just got a um, you know, a chairman throwing money in, how do they do it? They're a well-run business. Yeah. So they have big crowds. Yeah. They have uh, good sponsors. Mm -hmm. And then they have revenue, uh, uh, revenue lines outside of... The club. So, for example, you know, I'm thinking ahead and I'm thinking what I need is I need an academy. Mm. I need 3G pitches mm -hmm. for the players to train on and then that can be rented out. I need youth football and mm -hmm. parents coming along. I need a gym that I can have yeah, online players media use. presence streaming. Online media, yeah. But <clears throat> I think sponsoring us now. Mm -hmm. So, if you, if you look at the teams you can sponsor in the non league, I think we're, in terms of awareness, forget Wrexham. Mm -hmm. But I would say we are comparable to most non-league teams, if not more. I mean, in terms of awareness, yeah, mean, yeah. I, I think you know, in terms of awareness, look at like a Boreham Wood. Right? Okay. They're, no, they're known in England, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But outside of the playoffs, okay, 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 outside of the playoffs, who's paying attention to mm -hmm. them? They get a bit of attention because Arsenal ladies play there, and, and, and they're a great run club. I use them as an example because I look at them as where I want to be. Okay, but I also think, well, if you sponsor us, you know, we've got we've got this whole awareness with a whole other community. You've got people, we've got the BBC writing about us. So I, th yeah, we're, yeah, any other team is step five, four, three, we're a way better prospect to sponsor. Yeah. So we've got I'll give you that hashtag as well, though. They've kind hashtag's of, another one. Yeah, yeah, actually. And they've done a good job. Yeah. Um, and Are they the fan token NFT club? No, that's no, Cordy no, Town. No, no, no. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. The, well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> the, they, this is the perfect Bitcoin v shitcoin. No, hashtag is, what's his name? Spencer. Yeah, he's like a huge, super successful YouTuber. Yeah, okay. Started this team hashtag. They're doing well. I mean, did they just win step four? I think they, they did. Just, they yeah. did. They did. They yeah. smashed it. They've gone up to they step did. three. And they they started off as a uh, online gaming team, I believe. Yeah. So right. they don't have a physical location. And from what I understand, they um, chose somewhere in North London as their home ground. Yeah. I forget the name of the club now. Harrow, is it? Haringey Borough yeah. as their home ground. Um, so I think they've even got like a bit of flexibility to change where their like, home cool. location is and stuff like that. So um, that's their, I, I talked to Spencer about this. I think that's their only downside is when you see their name, you go, well, where are you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we're Bedford. People yeah. know we're yeah. Bedford. It, it's, you know, people have a place to go. Yeah, they have a, th a location to wear and a thing to get behind. But what they have that other people don't, wherever they go for an away game, 
all the people who like Hashtag or like Spencer yeah. or like their e-gamer platform come and watch them. We had their ladies play, our ladies in the FA Cup. Okay. We had a, yeah, we had a bunch of these e-gaming nerds could turn up <laughs> and their Hashtag Tops. They love it. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, so, but there is this new wave of teams that are doing a bit different, like us, them... I, There's I, even Sunday league teams that I've got a following now, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Baytees, Baytees squad. They're like a Sunday team and they won like the Sunday league version of the FA Cup. And they've got like hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube and really? stuff. It's, it reminds me of like when I was young and I used to watch Rentford Rejects. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've ever, yeah, ever seen that. Like, yeah. Rentford Rejects. <laughs> it was like a kid's TV show. <laughs> on Nickelodeon, yeah. Rentford Rejects was like this five-a-side team that were like, so many different characters and they just used to go around playing Sunday football but um, they've got some really good players that they take from non-league and they play Sunday football and it's more of a it's almost like reality TV football yeah. in a way so it's more on the entertainment side yeah. um, but there are so many different avenues now that football's going in and Dawkins have done it well with their yeah, uh, yeah. what's it What's the name of their YouTube bunch of something or others? Yeah, I know I, don't, I know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. know the name, though, yeah. They've had the most promotions of any team. They started at the uh -huh. bottom of Sunday League, went all yeah. the way up through Sunday League, Saturday League, <laughs> yeah. and now they're in the uh, conference. That's and the, very cool. The chairman, yeah. and the, the chairman is the manager. It's been the, all the way through. Yeah. He's kind of funny. Yeah. I think the Jersey Devils, or what they're called, Jersey something have done, done well. But the, the truth is, if you know, there is a hack now. If you create a team around an idea rather mm. than a town mm. yeah you can be more competitive and i think some some teams are kind of struggle but uniquely maybe in england europe like I've, I've watched a couple of games here in in the states and i don't know it's, it's a different vibe like my friend uh, paco craigie play he's the captain of miami fc so yep. i went to watch him and um versus inter miami in their like a version of the fa cup i guess uh one like the atmosphere is not just there. not the same um to the standard of football isn't as good as I thought it would be. I, I actually thought the MLS has come on a lot more than it has. Maybe it was just those two teams. Do you know where that is? Because mm. whenever you saw the MLS, you saw highlights and they've got some amazing players and they're like, you'll see Ibrahimovic do something incredible yeah. or a Rooney and you're like, yeah. uh -huh. I think it's like, it's like an 11 aside version of five aside. Yeah, it's just a completely, like, they don't have relegation, promotion, like, it, the whole franchise system. I don't know, you know, the knock-on effects it has for, for, you know, the quality of the football, how fans actually, you know, patronise their teams and stuff. It's just it's just a completely different vibe, you know. So I'm I'm thankful for what we have back home, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, but, it, you know, like, it's a great opportunity. And I, I think, yeah, you said, how are we going to manage the money? We're trying to be sustainable yeah. but we're, we're running like a startup we're like we're over invested we've got to spend 280,000 this summer we've got to put in new floodlights new bureau yeah. of defence two new stands yeah. there's a whole bunch of stuff we do it's expensive yeah. and you know if we didn't have the backing of the Bitcoin community and sponsors we wouldn't be able to get promoted because we wouldn't get our ground graded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. The ladies, I can tell, tell you this because this is going to come out for a while so Bedford girls and ladies are going to become Rail Bedford ladies next season oh, awesome. so we've got 250 girls and, and, and ladies playing under the Royal Bradford brand next oh, nice. season. So that's nice. going to be cool. Nice. Um, and, you know, we need to do the same on boys football. But, yeah. no, we just, I think we've just got to build the revenue mm. and make sure we don't overspend, mm -hmm. leave some money in the bank if mm -hmm. things get tough and mm -hmm. just keep telling that story and, yeah. you know, build a community in Bedford. And, I, you know, it, I think we've had a good first year. When when Real Bedford versus El Salvador national team, but that's that's what I want to know. Well, that kick, would be a vibe. They would <laughs> kick our. I think they kick our ass right now. Like they're <laughs> probably you know, they're, they're pros. I don't, I don't know what level that would be. Would would a uh, would a championship side give them a good side game or a league one side? Yeah, I reckon yeah, championship league one. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we can't not go without much in <laughs> Crawley Town because that's who you asked about. Yeah. So that's the shitcoin team. But that's the difference between. Oh, wasn't like, it Barnsley? No, it's Crawley. No, Barnsley nearly took the Hex sponsorship <laughs> okay. and then everyone went mental at them and they yeah. stopped it. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. No, Crawley Town was um, essentially bought by a shitcoin version of, like, me. He, he's this guy's made all right. his money on NFTs. He said he's going to get them in the Premier League. Yeah. He said the same stuff, right? Yeah. But the difference was he forced the crypto down their throats. Like, I all see. we do is have a meetup. You can come if you want yeah. and that's it. Yeah. He was have He was, like, selling NFTs to the fans, which obviously... Didn't make any money. Crazy. Yeah, he didn't know what he was doing. He kept sacking managers. One, then he then he went in the dugout and like was in the dugout. What? Yeah, it's true. like you can't do that shit. No, 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 no. 
they just avoided relegation. Did they finish third from bottom? I'm not sure. But that's the difference between like a grift and just a like community movement, isn't it? Yeah. Like you're not asking for anything from anyone. Yeah. No. It's just come along and support the club. Yeah, he's yeah. No, but he's a, like he's an American coming into English football not So he doesn't it. get the culture around football. Yeah. Yet, yeah. And I didn't get the culture non-league, by the way. I didn't understand <laughs> it until this. What's been the biggest surprise though? Like Biggest surprise? Hmm, that's a good question. Like what, what? What did you think it was? I guess. Well, I just, I guess, I, well, okay. I didn't realize how much you need volunteers to support it. Okay, it's a really okay. important part yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize how much the next door neighbors would see us as a rivalry and shit uh, they would so, give us. Yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't realize how much pressure it would be once it gets going. I mean, we're mm. at one point we're like twelve points clear, and I'm mm, like, yeah, but mm. if we lose that and they win that, it's like we can fuck this up. Yeah, it's like winning leagues is. Have you, have you won a league? No. It's hard. It's hard, man. It's really, really hard. And it's yeah, hard. people talk about the money we've spent. It's Do you like... know why it's hard at non-league as well? Because the players are part-time. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, non-league footballers typically have a full-time job and they'll be playing football on the side or part-time. So they'll train twice a week, sometimes once a week and have a game on a Saturday or a Tuesday. So um, some, at, at our level, a lot of players are not actually paid. Mm. Um, and so... As a manager or a coach, if someone says they've got to go to work on a Tuesday night because that's how they, they feed their family, you can't tell them, no, you got you need to come and play for me. And so you, as a manager at that level, you've got to deal with managing players, work commitments, kids and all of that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. If you're not paying them significant amounts to offset the money they'd make working, for example. so And sometimes they miss because there's a wedding. They go to yeah, a wedding. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, not yeah. at that level they can go, I can't, can't. Because the payers typically are not on contracts. Yeah. It's, like a, it's a non-contract basis. So if someone says, oh, I'm going on holiday, as a manager, you're kind of like... Okay. Well, that's where all the credit goes to Rob. So Claire, yeah, the manager, yeah. he, he got them down and said, this is the goal. Yeah. And he, we had just this relentless approach to winning, doing everything right. Yeah. Like everything behind the scenes we did, we tried to do it, like the website, yeah. the, the season tickets, the, the freshments for the players. The, every single thing we did, we tried to do the best we can, the programs. The, yeah. And it was, it was a lot of work. And, you know, we go again now. I guess as well, seeing the non-league and seeing how in certain instances it's so non-professional it's like there's so much room for us to like set a standard of how yeah. things should be done as yeah. well this show is brought to you by bit casino now bit casino was established in 2013 and is the world's first licensed bitcoin casino it is trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide and they not only have cutting edge security but they offer fast withdrawals and vip experiences that money can't buy BitCasino also has over 2,800 games and tournaments for you to try out. And with their 24-7 live chat support, you can always get help if needed. Now, if you want to find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Next up today, we have Unchained. Now, events exchanges and traditional banks over the last year have been an important reminder of how critical it is for you to take control of your private keys. But listen, I know for some of you, this can be daunting, which is why our friends at Unchained offer a personalized concierge onboarding service. Now, I've personally been through the process and have now set up the vaults for my football team, Rail Bedford. And okay, I've got a personal recommendation here. The multi-sig solution which Unchained have created is so easy to use. They also ship you the required devices and walk you through this step-by-step step so you understand exactly how the vaults work. After you set up, Unchained continues to provide you with regular support to help you get comfortable with controlling your keys. Now, if you've been putting off taking control of your Bitcoin wealth, Unchained's concierge onboarding is a simple way to get started. So book your onboarding today at unchained.com forward slash what Bitcoin did, which is U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D.com forward slash what Bitcoin did. And at the checkout, you can get $50 off with the promo code what Bitcoin did. Also today, we have Wasabi who I am using to keep my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi is the easiest way for you to send and receive Bitcoin privately. And even for non-technical people like me, it is effortless and it provides privacy by default. With Wasabi, there is no minimum amount, so you can start coin joining straight away. And Wasabi users make coin join transactions together with BTC Pay and Trezor users. And BTC Pay server users can make payments in coin join, which saves on fees and is a privacy improvement. 
Also, Wasabi have just dropped a new feature. Now Trezor Suite users can make coin joins directly on the hardware wallet, which is obviously very cool. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Well, I think that's what bothers the the neighbours Bedford t- Town. Like some people there, oh God, they won't be listening to this. So I hope not. Maybe that Mark Stevenson will be stalks me. But um, is that they've they've had a monopoly on football in Bedford for a long time because okay. they're the bigger team. Yeah, they've got the crowds and they've done a great job. But we've come in with a new plan that's different from theirs. Yeah, it's more competitive, and so it's a threat to them. Uh, but the truth is, you know, we're doing things that like even if they fucking hate us, they can at least go, wow, they're good at their marketing. They're good at their branding. What they've done with women's football is great. Mm. Yeah, like you have to at least appreciate what we're trying to do, and you know it's going to suck for to them. Bringing on. people to Bedford who have really no reason to come to Bedford. To be honest, yeah. like uh, was it late last year or maybe early this year? We had people from like Czechoslovakia. Yeah, Slovakia. We had twelve Slovakia. guys flying from Slovakia to come and watch a Bedford game. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's happened before. I'll be honest. I doubt it. Sure. But last game we had. A handful from the US. We had probably 15, 15 to 20 people who flew in for that game. Maybe more, but they're staying at the local hotels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're spending money in the local mm-hmm. shops. You know, it's good for Bedford. And Bedford is like a micro version of Wrexham. Wrexham is on the global map now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This little Welsh town. Well, not little, but this Welsh town, yeah, which yeah, it's been through its tough times, both with the football and the economy, is on the map. They have Hollywood stars coming to Wrexham to watch football matches. It's great for them. We are like a micro version of that. We have, I don't want to say Bitcoin stars, but you know what I mean? We have Bitcoiners coming to Bedford spending money. Bedford's on the map. And so, I, th- you know what my biggest surprise is? God, this might get me in trouble. How hard the authorities, football authorities make things for people unnecessarily Okay, difficult. a lot of bureaucracy. And bureaucracy. Like, yeah. Um... This kind of old school mentality. Oh, yeah. 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 This is the way it's always been done. Yeah. I don't care. The, you know, yeah. uh, the administration of the systems, that's been a surprise. Uh, and there's, we've felt a pushback against us. You know, like we stream the games while well, they had to have Because it's a bit more flashy, especially at this level. Yeah. Like, is this, was it step six? It was. It was step six, step five. Yeah. Next year. Um, but streaming the games, you had to have a whole new set of policies written for streaming the games. Oh, really? They got their. That was that was surprising, mm-hmm. uh, and also actually how hostile other clubs are to you. You know they're really hostile. Like we're nice, we treat mm-hmm. people well, but yeah. they're hostile towards us yeah. unnecessarily. It just makes winning that more sweet, I yeah, guess. It sometimes does. doesn't it? So. There were a couple of results this year that were were pretty sweet, but yeah. no, man, listen, I, I fucking love it. I love yeah. it. Um, the people are probably thinking, "Why I'm talking to you about football?" <laughs> you should give you a background. How did you go from like professional footballer to massive nerd? Uh, that's a good question, man. So I've always played football from the age of like eight. I joined West Ham United, was my local team in East London. I used to live next to the training ground, actually. Um, my, my friend knocked for me one time. Uh, he, he was the son of the manager of the local football team called Lakeview. And he, one day he was just like, oh, do you want to come out and play out? Um, and we just used to, you know, play football in the streets and stuff like that. And uh, I played for the local Sunday team, who's, he, his dad was the manager. And I got scouted by West Ham uh, by playing for that team. And I used to live literally like next door to West Ham's uh, training ground in Chadwell Heath. Um, so played for West Ham from the age of eight to 18, 19. Uh, got let go, got released. After Did you get any my- first team games? No, but I, I, I was training with the first team at 16. Really? And I were you training, and, training So with? this is when Gianfranco Zola was the manager. <laughs> so, and this was the the, period, the era period of... Hold on, for yeah. anyone listening who doesn't know, Gianfranco Zola's a fucking legend yeah, of football, Chelsea legend. Yeah, he's, he, he would play in training and be the best player. Because <laughs> at the time, he was still in his early 40s. He could move, he could... He was the best player in training, no joke. But I, I was training with the first team at 16. And at 16, I didn't know how big a deal that was because that was the era of Carlos Tevez... Javier Mascarano. Um, you were trading with Tevez. Yeah. So I, it's kind of <laughs> like, at the time, I didn't know how much of a big deal it was though. And I didn't have the mentality required to to push on. And what I mean by that is, I'm a 16-year-old like thinking, oh, I'm training with the first team. Like, But you, you need to go in there as a 16-year-old like, I'm training with the first team and I'm going to take Carlos Tevez's place. 
But I, I wasn't thinking. I was just kind of like, um, I'm happy to be here. I must be doing okay. I wasn't like some of my peers who are kind of at my age group, like a, I like to big him up, John Joe Shelby. He's kind of got that mentality where it's like at 16, he was playing in Charlton's first team and it was like, I'm the man at 16. And not every player can have that at 16, 17. I didn't necessarily have that. Um, maybe, you know, going on later in my career, I would would have developed that. But at the time, I was there based on because how good I was skill-wise. Yeah. Like, I was the best player in my team. So, and they saw a lot of potential in me skill-wise. But at the time, I didn't necessarily realise the kind of grit and kind of selfless determination that you need if you want to play in that environment. Because these lads are in, you know, mature men. They see a 16-year-old, they're going to kick you and lift you up in the air. They don't care. Like, you're you're on the same level playing field as them and they're not going to let a 16, 17-year-old take their place. So, admittedly, going into the first team at, like, 16 wasn't a very welcoming experience. And, you know, I don't know, maybe some clubs, they welcome their youngsters a bit, a bit better. West Ham wasn't like that. We were fighting relegation. Like, the mood in the training grounds not, you know, very lively. So, perhaps that was part of it. Um, but yeah, got got let go. Went to play for Dagenham and Redbridge in League One, um, which is a League One side. Completely changed my outlook on football. Like the style of football is completely different. Yep. Like John Steele, channel football, kick the ball down the channel. It's almost like playing a different sport. It's like playing rugby. I'm a central midfielder, so I'm 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 doing that most of the game. Before joining Dagenham and Redbridge, I didn't even know what a channel ball was. I didn't even know what it was because I come from West Ham where we're playing tippy-tappy football, Zola, like everyone. So we have that we had that heritage of playing good football. When you go down the leagues, back then, um, the standard of football goes down. But nowadays... It's changed. Every, they're, they're playing now, now, people in League 1 and League 2 want to play like how Man City are playing. Ball, keeper gets it out from the back, plays the right back, play right... Like, it's, it's completely different now. But back then, no, it was channel get on the second ball, try and score a goal. How many years were you at Dagenham? Uh, two years. And were you a regular? Uh, no, I was kind of like in and out, like reserves. So I wasn't a regular there. Any big games though? Big cup games? Uh, or? FA, one FA Cup game against... Uh, uh, oh, new, um, I forget now, Newbury something. I forget. It was an FA Cup game, but I forget who it was. Um but yeah, not didn't get much first team football there either. Score any bangers? Nah, I didn't score any bangers. Nah, but I played with a lot of good players like Dwight Girl, who's yeah. at, um, who was at Newcastle. I think yeah. he's at Stoke now. Played with a lot of good players, um, and kind of just fell out of love with it. If I'm honest, it was a yeah. combination of like injuries and fell out of love with it. And this was in my early twenties. Um, Shout out to my parents. They made me study A-levels while I was actually playing as well. So I had the grades to go to university. I kind of self-taught myself um, English language, psychology and economics very randomly. So I had that to fall back on. And I went to university at Goldsmith University of London, studied computer science and the rest was history. I went to uni to study something practical. I thought I didn't want to know disrespect to these degrees or nothing, but I didn't want to like study art or history or anything like that. I wanted something where it was kind of hands-on and looking into the future. What did you do? Computer science? So I did computer science. And then when I finished my degree, spent a few years working as a software engineer and then, yeah, found my way into Bitcoin. So How did that happen? Um, 2017, one of my colleagues was just like, you need to buy some Bitcoin. It was bull market, came for the money, stayed for the, the technology and all that good stuff. So... That's pretty much how it happened for me. Um, I think because I had the technology background, I was like, I'm going to go and learn a bit more about Bitcoin. Watched a lot of Andreas Antonopoulos videos, read his content. So I come from that school of Bitcoiner, you know? Like, I I can imagine the the new people coming into Bitcoin, they've got very different voices telling them what Bitcoin is. Yeah. Um, Whereas back then for me, like Andreas was very pivotal in my learning about what Bitcoin was, both from a political, financial, geographical, social, political, um, technological point of view. So I actually had like a very rounded, sorry, a very rounded view of Bitcoin, whereas perhaps some people coming in now, it's purely price, price number go up. I don't know. Maybe that's not a fair criticism. I I think some people coming in now don't know who Andreas Antonopoulos is. And like he (laughs) was crazy. Yeah, he was like fundamental to all of us. You you watch that first, whatever first Andreas video Mm -hmm. is you watch, you're like, wow, who the fuck's this guy? And then you go to another one and another one. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of 
being able to sit down with him in person, or even on interviews. Like I remember I was in, was it, I think it was in Uruguay with him. Was I okay. in Uruguay with him? We just sat down, we talked and you know, not just about Bitcoin, but about you know, handling online comments, things mm. like that. And mm. I think he's amazing. I miss him so much being yeah. a prominent vocal person in Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's good to have, you know, new characters, new voices, new narratives come in the space for sure. Um, but he's definitely one of the most well-rounded Bitcoiners in terms of education because he, he does the deep dive on the technology as well and can yeah. help you get started if you're someone who wants to purely focus on the tech um, as well. So, um, yeah, definitely miss his, uh, his active presence. I, I know he's still he's still doing stuff. He does his Patreon stuff. Yeah, he does his Patreon stuff and he's, I guess he's a bit less in the public eye um, for whatever reason. But yeah, if, if you don't know about Andreas, then I don't know, man, you've been sleeping. You need to go back and do some study and some homework. Get on fucking YouTube and yeah, Google him. And, yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, so, and then, so you end up at Spiral. Yeah, so... 2020 was the year I was like working, you know, as a software engineer in a corporate environment or, or a startup and I, and I want to get into Bitcoin somehow. So I volunteered at Advancing Bitcoin, which is a yep. conference in London. Uh, Leon Johnson organizes that. He's a, he's, he does a great job with that. Yeah, he does. So I just, I just volunteered, asked, you know, do you need any help with that? That was beginning of 2020, right before like the pandemic hit and stuff. And then uh, summer of 2020, I was given opportunity to have a grant from Square Crypto at the time or Spiral now yeah. to work on some open source Bitcoin projects. So everything from Bitcoin design, uh, which we can talk a little bit about in a minute, um, some developer libraries to improve developer experience, some educational stuff with Hello Bitcoin. Um, and that was six months. Uh, Steve Lee reached out to me to to get that done. And then after six months, I was given the opportunity to join the Square Crypto Spiral team full time. Um, so now I, I manage the grant program that I was a recipient of nice. during that period. Um, so I've seen it from from both sides. So always kind of on the lookout for talented people who want to work on free open source Bitcoin projects. Um, so currently, I think we've got about 35, 36 active developers, designers, PMs, all working on free open source Bitcoin projects from all over the all over the world, geographically dispersed. Um, working on everything from lightning infrastructure to security to privacy stuff, all mainly based around non-custodial um, stuff as well. So, how do you choose who to fund? Is there do you internally have pro like certain areas you think need focus, or do you just look at every application independently? Yeah, no. Well, we definitely look at every application independently, but we're, we're predominantly looking at things that improve decentralization, improve privacy, security, user experience, um, scalability, that kind of stuff. So we have a we have a full time team focused on the Lightning Development Kit, which is like a kit to help improve uh, non custodial Lightning adoption. Um, we have some PMs as well, um, but yeah, we we look at each application independent. We review it, I'll review it, Steve will review it, the wider team will review it sometimes as well. Um, and if it kind of meets our criteria and has some level of consensus among the com community as well, um, we'll give that person kind of no strings attached funding to work on their project for, for a year. 12 months initially. Do you monitor them or you just say, here's your money, see you later? Uh, we, we loosely monitor them. All the work is open source, right? So most of the work is being conducted on GitHub. So we can kind of monitor what's going on on GitHub, but we don't require them to like um, report into us every week or bi-weekly or quarterly or anything like that. Um, the people that do the grants are typically quite self-motivated to like manage themselves, work at the intensity they want to, um, work geographically from from where they want to they have flexibility there as well so no we, we, we're not into the business of like micromanaging people especially when we've got like 36 37 people doing lots of different stuff so it's so mad that this software is able to be developed globally through a decentralized group of people who just say i want to work on this bit i want to work on that bit yeah like and how it all i, I don't it still don't even understand how it all coordinates who checks yeah. uh i mean it, it, is it led from the core at the top and, and they're kind of kind of creating it depends like um, the, the reason why I'm getting to it is like if this was a company yep. you would have reporting lines mm -hmm. you'd have procedures yeah, everyone yeah. would know it how does that work in a decentralized way yeah how do you get that kind of order amongst chaos yeah. it's um no it's a really good question so I think the, the people need to understand as well like the Bitcoin 
development technology ecosystem is very wide. So Bitcoin Core, obviously, the most important software in Bitcoin, but you also have um, infrastructure-based projects, you also have wallets, you also have software development kits, um, and these are all very important projects as well. Um, typically, a lot of these projects will have like lead maintainers who have been working on the project for some period of time. So, so for example, the Lightning Development Kit was initially started by Matt Corallo. I think you've he was on here on, the other yeah, day. Yeah, he was on here the other day. Um, he started that as Rust Lightning. Um, so he's got, uh, and he's been working on, on Bitcoin basically forever. And he has, you know, a lot of Bitcoin expertise, a lot of Lightning expertise. So he's he's someone that people look up to in the project. Um, and is the is the same for other types of projects like the Bitcoin Development Kit, which is like a sister project to LDK. Um, but, uh, typically developers have an idea of like what specific contribution they want to make. And, you know, if it happens to align with the direction the communities go in, um, that community specifically and the wider Bitcoin community, then there isn't usually much challenge to getting, you know, that contribution merged in or, or part of the, the next feature set for a release. So, um, there is, there is though definitely a need for like active project management as well. Um, I have spoken to a lot of developers and they have found themselves like working in the silo because although you're like, you know, geographically dispersed all over the world, you don't have an office to go into, like you say, like a manager to tell you we're doing X, Y, and Z and notify you of how someone else's work might affect your work. You're kind of like working in a silo to some degree so there's there's definitely room and space for a, a pm like we, we kind of regard ourselves as decentralized pms in a way and we kind of do some of that overseeing of the project in its entirety and kind of like tie help tie everything together but we can only do that by way of persuasion because we're no one's actual manager you know, so are there, is the developer community growing? Are we getting oh, more devs yeah. coming, in? and we got enough coming in, or is it never? Uh, enough? No, we never. There's never enough. Never enough. There's never enough. There's never enough. But the trajectory is definitely up and to the right, especially okay, now. Um, the stuff we find, like the Bitcoin development kit, the Lightning development kit, that gives you the tools and makes it easier to build on Bitcoin now in whatever language you come into. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a, a positive direction, hundred percent. And that's really exciting to see. Like you guys should definitely try and stay abreast of like new wallets that are coming out, like the Feddy wallet that's come out yeah. and the Mutiny team just released I a, heard that today. A, 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 a wallet in the browser, which is fantastic because it's um, a, a superior onboarding experience, um, privacy preserving, doesn't require any KYC, doesn't require um, an app store to... to 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 um download the, to download the application or anything as well. So all all of these innovations are only um made possible by some of the tooling that's being built, you know. So are you still coding? I code in non-production capacity. So I code like demos. So if you're a developer and you just want to get started with BEDK or LDK, then I, I can write a demo to show you how to get introduced to the SDK. But I'm nowhere good enough now to write like production level code or anything like that. But I do, I don't know if you've seen it, but I do have a YouTube channel called Bitcoin Developers where I sit with developers and live stream and we code and we, we will code up a wallet or a feature of a wallet. Um, it's only at 800 subscribers now, so I need to shill it a little bit. But um, You're such a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I need to shill it a little bit. How can you be so cool and such a nerd at the same time? I don't know, man. I think people surprised me, but I don't know. I don't know. I just, I come from... Shit, it, shit it's, where are we sending people? Uh, Bitcoin developers. That's what it's called. Connie, YouTube. you should go check I've done out. well to get that name, to be fair. Yeah. I'm going to try and grow it. Um, try and, you know, because you should be able to go on YouTube and type in how to build a Bitcoin wallet and you should see hundreds of videos on how to do it. Yeah. That's the, that's the goal. This show is brought to you by Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world's leader in Bitcoin security and it's the best way for you to own and secure your private keys. If you are still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be time for you to take your Bitcoin security a little more seriously, because remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Now, Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way for you to start managing your private keys. You can send and sign your Bitcoin transactions with full transparency in the Ledger Live app, and honestly, it couldn't be easier. 
I've been a Ledger customer since 2017, and I'm still using the same Nano S I bought back then. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R dot com. Next up today, we have Iris Energy. Now, Iris is the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. Their strategy is to target markets with low-cost, excess renewable energy, and they build their own highly efficient Bitcoin data centers. They are led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across renewables, infrastructure, and digital assets. And Danny and I met them recently in Canada and were super impressed with Iris Energy and their values, which align with us, so they're a great fit for what Bitcoin did and you, the listeners. Now, we are going to be working with Iris Energy on everything from the podcast to films to live events, and they're even sponsoring my football team, Rail Bedford. So we're really happy to be working with such a forward-thinking and sustainable Bitcoin mining company. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co. Also today, we have Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin has a robust risk management strategy and always prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with no DeFi yield farming. And Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only is Ledin a sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to Ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. The mutiny thing came up this morning, mm. and I was trying to check it out. I've, by the way, cool name, mutiny. Yeah, love fire. it. Um, okay, let's talk about scaling. So, ordinals. We don't need to get into the yale nays. I think whatever it's here to stay. So forget about it. <laughs> Unless someone writes a bip and gets rid of it. But we did notice that has highlighted, firstly, some bugs. Matt Carrello talked about it, but some limitations with Lightning. Mm. How do you feel about that? My kind of grand take is that like lightning only scales an order of magnitude above on-chain bitcoin currently um as it currently stands there are a lot of challenges around lightning around like if you want to have a smooth experience for the average user around onboarding because of like the the channel management requirements around inbound liquidity and all of this kind of stuff um managing your lightning keys securely um receiving payments offline in an async fashion and now all of these things have are being actively worked on and there are solutions to them um but again lightning only scales the order of magnitude above on-chain and currently maybe lightning acts as a supplementary technology to other stuff such as fediment um some other layer two scaling solution that comes along um so i don't think lightning was ever the scaling solution um be all and end all um but represents one of many scaling solutions that we're going to have to do anyway so. yeah maybe you'll be the best person to ask this question too so when the fees probably not no, I, think, I, reckon, <laughs> I reckon you got this so when the, when the fees when the fees go really high uh, uh and people start criticizing it one of the answers is yeah but lightning the fees are low and i keep trying to imagine a scenario a couple of decades down the line where there's consistently high fees mm. and some people get priced out of the base chain. It's, it is a potential. If you had consistently $100 fees, most people aren't going to be using that. Yeah. And I know people can get onto Lightning without having, uh, uh, without being uh, part of a channel. They can use somebody mm -hmm. else's channel and mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. But my understanding is you can't really then be self-sovereign because you're reliant on the channel that somebody else has created. Is that true? Well, no. So it depends. So we, like, we also have the concept of like a lightning service provider now. I yeah. don't know if you're familiar with that. And yeah. like the, the companies like Voltage and there's an open source LSP spec as well, like that C equals are doing, C equal are doing. Because right now, if you want to um, open a channel, you need the, you have the liquidity requirement. And if you want to be able to receive, you basically have to push a payment before you can receive one. So that infrastructure is being put in place to be, to be able to, 
um, allow uh, the, like an average person who doesn't want to do any channel management via like a zero confirmation inbound channel and be able to receive directly and have the liquidity initially tied up at the LSP end. Um, but if you are able to have the lightning node running on a mobile phone and the keys managed by the individual, it's, it's, it's basically where the keys lie, um, essentially. Um, so as long as you have an environment where either a user's running their own lightning node via like these, um, these no, uh, Umbro yeah, or yeah. like Raspberry Blitz or the nodes running on the phone, uh, as long as the user has access to the keys, I don't see a huge problem. And, a, and the application allows them to obviously close out, then I don't see a huge problem with it. I was I talking about Feddy, our boy Obi. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to Obi. Uh, it took yeah. me a while to get my head around it. Yeah. First time I heard about it, I was like, huh? But that's, uh, I'm not holding my private keys. And it's like, yeah, but you trust people in the community. It's like, mm. we've just been told we can't trust Ledger. You know, we've, yeah. we can't trust them distributing keys with three disparate companies. But, but at the same time with Feddy, we say, well, we'll trust three guys in your local community. They're different risk factors, yeah. but we are trusting people. And I was like, I don't, I don't get this. But now I'm starting to hear better examples than I do get it. So, for example... Yeah, we're gonna, I, watched, I listened to your podcast over there. It was amazing, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to do our conference... Festivals. Yeah, festivals. Well, we're going to do our conference in Bedford next April. Okay. Hopefully 800 to 1,000 people. Okay. We're like, we'll just make it so everyone... We'll just create one uh, our own mint there. Our own, I don't know what you call it. Do you call it a mint? Federation. Yeah, we'll federation, call it our own federation yeah. there. Maybe me and Danny will have the keys. We'll fucking rug you all. No, <laughs> no, so we'll create it and then everyone can just privately transact to that whole event. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. can complete, keep it completely uh, private. And I was like, that makes sense now. Mm -hmm. I get that. Mm -hmm. It's like when you go to a festival and you buy beer tokens and mm -hmm. you go and grab your beers, mm -hmm. you're essentially buying your e-cash tokens to... Yeah. So I get that. I, I like that. Are you a fan it of Fetty? Yeah, so Spiral funds free developers working on the Fetty Mint protocol at nice. the minute. Um and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely just from a perspective of um, I know Obi talks a lot about like the global south and like the the, the mentality and the capabilities and like the resources people have over there. Um, it definitely seems like it's from a scaling perspective, it can scale pretty much like infinitely. And I like the idea of like the kind of community banking style of of doing things as well. Um, I just downloaded the Feddy app the other day. And the Feddy app is just, I guess, going to be one client of the Feddy Mint protocol. Like we, I'm sure we're going to see many more iterations on top of it. Is um, it live or is it a test flight? Uh, so it's in Signet, actually. So I, I think he's kind of, uh, they're, they're kind of um, pushing it more towards like developers and builders. But you can like get some test coins from, from Signet and play around with it. It's got an in-app in chat feature as well. So it, it looks like it's taking some similar feature sets from like a WeChat yeah. and stuff like that, which which seems promising. Um but that com that community is growing as well. They've got a lot of design focused efforts as well to make the UX really strong around it as well. We um, desperately need that. Yeah. So are you familiar we'll, we'll finish this and maybe we'll talk about the Bitcoin design community yeah, as yeah, well. Because yeah. I think you should get some designers on actually. I'd love to. But yeah, so 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 the UX is going to be fantastic there. Um yeah, I, I can't say any, anything more much about Feddy. It's, 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 but you guys are fully backing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah big fans of Feddy. Yeah, yeah, like I say, I didn't get it at first. Yeah, because you, you had um, a few issues trying to get around like the eCash. Yeah, well, the first like, thing is like eCash. I was like, yeah, what is this eCash? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's just Bitcoin. Yeah. It's it's just, it's a yeah. Bitcoin IOU. Yeah. But when I was like, you get these eCash tokens. And, and the funny yeah. thing was, it's like, you, you listen to me like get it live in the show yeah, and yeah. then we had a whole bunch of people who were like email us and say oh I get it as well now I oh, didn't I get it like what is it you you're, get these e-cash tokens no, no one really like, when you get it. a chance when you when you get a chance down, download it you'll be like oh okay oh what's Signet how do I do that uh, no no you don't have to do anything you just go on uh, the website uh, iPhone download and that's it and you can go to you've used like a faucet before right to like get yeah 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 so you just go onto the faucet, paste your lightning address. It will send you some coins and you can start, you free start playing around. Like it's, it's pretty impressive. To so funny. There used to be faucets where you could just go and like, get like, like 50 Bitcoin. Yeah, 50 <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, 50 uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Now you can't even get like testnet Bitcoin. You can't even, so yeah. <laughs> Definitely can't afford to buy 50 Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about design. We'll finish off in design. Okay. Uh, historically lacked, mm. always lagged 
the the tech side of things. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know why. Don't don't even need to have a thesis of why, yeah. but it did. I have seen improvements. Things are definitely getting better. Yeah. Um, what's been your approach at Spiral towards design? Yeah, so um, I think initially the Spiral team wanted to hire like an in-house uh, designer, um, but we came to the conclusion that it'd probably be more impactful to create a design community. So if people are interested in finding out more, they can go to bitcoin.design. Um, and this is a community of primarily designers, artists, some creatives who are trying to tackle many of the UX challenges and problems we see in Bitcoin. And the kind of flagship project there is something called the Bitcoin Design Guide, which gives um, developers, product teams, the tools they need to to build um, quality user experiences within Bitcoin. Um, so they tackle everything from like how to how to, you know, kind of display fee management for, you know, channel management to self-custody solutions to multi-sig. Like it's all really covered in the guide and all of the principles and, and all that kind of stuff is is really good. So yeah, the the, the community there is kind of, is, is very active. I know you're like a designer UX man as well. So you should yeah. definitely get some some designers on um, to tell their story about 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 because open source design as well is actually quite a new concept as yeah. well. Like designers are typically want to kind of be in their corner and like are a bit sh- maybe shy or reserved about getting feedback on their on their creations and stuff. So Bitcoin is actually leading the way in terms of open source design efforts as well. And we're seeing a lot of collaboration between the designers and and the open source projects as well, whether it be Zeus Wallet working with a des- designer in the community or Fedimin. Yeah. Or um, we've had some desktop wallets in the past, like Spectar work with designers. Um, so they also play the role of helping developers tell the story of new technological innovations. So over the past year, we've had stuff like unified QR code. So the challenge of um, hiding lightning from users. Lightning should just be like a technology that people don't really know about. Instead of maybe having this Bitcoin and lightning tab, should I use Bitcoin? Should I use lightning? Mm. Fees are high here. Fees are also high. Like, what do I do as an average user? Whereas we can kind of, the design space has come and come in and said, no, well, we can kind of unify that using the BIP21 standard. And here is how, you know, this UX kind of um, is, is a lot better for people. So they can help uh, in those regards and they can help tell the story of new technological uh, solutions as well. So if a new privacy preserving protocols on its way in, like page or something, how do you actually tell people about it like you know create an, a nice website around it create a narrative around it help people understand so they play that role as well it's so important yeah i remember the first multi-sig wallet i was shown was uh using caravan oh okay and yeah. i was like on chain i think that is. yeah, yeah i was being walked through it with uh phil geiger wasn't it <laughs> yeah, American phil. <laughs> i was like the fuck is this they're like no no you put this here and you copy. i was like nah. guys this doesn't work then they had a two of three multi-sig for a bet Pete won the bet, but lost his keys. So he couldn't sign <laughs> I did, I lost my fucking keys. Yeah. Because of bad design. But uh, I, I recently just signed up with the Unchained okay. Vault. They're a sponsor now. And so they, okay. on, they onboarded me. said, you've got to see it. And it's fucking brilliant. It's so easy to use. And, okay. and that's where you can compare the two and go, all right, here's, here's a developer at home on their own creating something or a couple yeah. of developers. Yeah. Here's a company who've approached it thinking about the end consumer and yeah. they've got the UX right. And so you really see those differences. But for, for a long time, Bitcoin stuff was really hard to use. And yeah. like, it's hard to grok Bitcoin. Yeah, it really is. And I think, yeah, when we can get to the stage where like, you know, the average person can just download a wallet be easily onboarded, not have to worry about channel management, not have to worry about if they can receive offline, not have to worry about anything, then we're there. And it's, I think it happens just like gradually. I don't think there's going to be like one day it's like Bitcoin's made it, right? It's going to be like very gradual and kind of like just merge its way silently into culture. And that's the way I want to see it personally. I don't want to see like some big shift and like, the financial system collapses and like we're all scrambling to like start self-custodying because I don't think that would be a good place to be in. But I you know, agree. if we can slowly like start to to do it, I think it's a, it's the right approach, I think. So all right. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, the last thing we want to talk to you about is uh, United are playing Chelsea today. 
Do you think United could lose? No. You think Chelsea they... are shambles? I at know. The Chelsea are absolute shambles. I'm a Man United fan from East London, so don't give me any any flack or anything. There's and... no way they can lose today. No, there's no way they can lose today. I, don't, I, I think Chelsea are done for the season. Like they're just washed up. They've got no motivation. There's nothing going on. So I think Man United. If Chelsea do win today, just say they do. Yeah. Can United lose to Fulham on the last day? No, United are going to win every game for the rest of the season, including the FA Cup He's final. So <laughs> impartial, <laughs> such <Yeah>. impartial <laughs> bullshit. Complete impartial. Me and Danny have got a bet. Are you got, what's the bet? So we did four we get, bets. Four bets. The first. You bet, lot love a bet, by the way. I love it. Well, I usually win. So the, what was the first? Oh, the first one was Man U Liverpool. Okay. The last game, you know, okay, the seven okay, deal. Okay, yeah, yeah. But oh. we made the bet, and he, he's in Australia. Wait, what, are you Liverpool? No, no, he's United. Fan. United oh, United. Yeah. So yeah. I bet Liverpool. He bet United. Anyway, he's in Australia. He goes to bed. Not only does he wake up to see he's lost, he's lost the bet. He wakes up to see seven nil. He has to like get his head around that. And Twitter was blowing up because he was absolutely loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had. Then I. What was the second bet? Was it top four? Or the second bet. No, second bet was I bet Real Bedford wouldn't get 100 points. Fucking 99 points we finished on. That's crazy. Is that, is that a record, do you know? Or is, no, no, there's no, no, one okay. t- there's one team that only drew, like literally won every game apart from two which they drew. Oh, okay. But that was uh, only with like four games to go, so it was close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got me on that one because of course I'm going to say we're going to win them all. I'm going to have to get in on some of these bets. Yeah. We drew with Fulham. And then I bet Liverpool would finish top four. <sighs> By the way, each set's a million, each bet's a million sets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then just just being a twat, even though we were so far behind, I was like, I'll bet you a million sets we finish above United. And we were like 12 points, 15 points behind at that point. Yeah. yeah. But so then we went it, on a run. I, I, said, I said it's a football podcast coming from you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been thinking about it. I, I, I You're going to have to do an offshoot or something, but I think this I, might I just sense it, you know. This might just end up being a football and Bitcoin podcast. You know, Rogan's what, MMA and. And comic comedians are weirdos. This might just become it Bitcoin could work, football. Man. It might work. One week I have Connor Oakers. Next yeah. week I have Wolf Sahar. Yeah, I've got a lot but, of good football takes, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, we could have talked about football for two hours, <laughs> but the people listening were like, shut the fuck up, I'm here for Bitcoin. Know, I'm a right? nerd. So, uh, all right, so you think, uh, as a Man U fan, you think I'm going to lose the bet. You're completely yeah. impartial. Yeah. I think. But I in just, two hours, I'm going to be two million sets up. Two hours? It's 3 p.m. kick. Yeah, it'd be 3 p.m. kickoff. Yeah, a few Four hours. A few hours. A few hours. Yeah. Yeah, Recording this live from Miami. Live from Miami. Kind uh, of oh, oh, cool. How did you find the conference? Actually, uh, I loved it. Preferred it from last year because it was tighter. Um, yeah. uh, all the people whinging about it. Shut up. Like you weren't there. Like okay. <laughs> like ninety percent of people moaning weren't there. It's like you weren't yeah. there. So what are you moaning about? Yeah. Like what you would have gone if it had been different? No, yeah. you wouldn't have. Also, the kind of the things they were moaning about, this conference is for them yeah. that that suit them, and they don't even go to that. So, j- yeah. shut up, start a conference, or don't go. Just shut yeah. up. I, I personally prefer like the more scaled down conferences with a lot more high signal. Although the open source stage was in the bleachers, like behind the couch under the trash can, like <laughs> it's no, I'm only joking. But like, yeah, it, I do prefer the 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 smaller, more intimate. I like setting. them both. Yeah, I like Honey Badger and Riga, uh, and I like this. I'll see you in Prague when I... I'll see you in Prague and I'll enjoy it. I, like, I think this is the thing about Bitcoin that people don't seem to understand is that you, we need lots of different people doing lots of different stuff. Yeah. Like stop bitching about the stuff yeah. you don't like. If, you, if there's something not being done that you like, go and create it. Yeah. Go and make something. Yeah. You know, we need the big commercial conference here where you get the, you know, the, the wider media interest. We also need the really Small niche ones. ones you're yeah. advancing Bitcoins and we need the middle of the road ones, which will be ours. Yeah. You know, on a podcast level, you need the you know, more liberal British guy who likes football <laughs> as well as you need <laughs> your Marty Bents and you need your Matt O'Dells on your privacy and you need your Stefan Levera and your Libertarian. And you need, you know, you, you need like a wide net. Yeah. So if you don't like, like if you don't like my podcast, don't fucking listen. Go yeah. and start one. Or go and listen to the one you like. Don't bitch about 100%. it. There's people who like. Well, it. they've moved it to Nashville next year, yeah. right? So we can ride bulls and shoot guns so in Nashville next exactly. year. Exactly. If you don't, <laughs> but if you don't like that, you, you, don't you go can to start. <laughs> like if you're in fucking Atlanta, Georgia, and you don't like this conference, start one in Atlanta, Georgia. And start a meetup. Tab get fifty Shout out to Tabconf. There's one. Tabconf. There you yeah. go. We're like wherever you are, just start. Just 
do something. Yeah. Stop bitching, do something. I thought the conference was great. Yeah. Would I have done it the same? No. Mm-hmm. Am I in any position to complain? No. You've got your one coming up next year. You've got so. our one coming up, yeah. They, they, look, I said to David Bailey, sit on stage, it's like your fifth year, sixth year, whatever, you remain undefeated. Yeah. Like no one's come to take your crown, no one's going to take your crown. Yeah. Keep doing your thing, ignore the haters. It's always like things that are successful get hated upon. Everyone, I hate Man City now. They <laughs> yeah. hated Man U. They hate this conference. They hate, God, I don't want to say me. It's a bit like a they hate Real Bedford. They hate Taylor Swift. Anything successful, <laughs> anything successful, they hate. They hate. All right, let's finish. Tell yeah, us about right. your fight. Uh, July 9th. So Wait, what's this? So I like Muay Thai. I do Muay Thai. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to do an amateur fight on July 9th. Very um, cool. When did you last fight? Uh, like, I don't know, mid last year or something. What's Just your like an interclub. I've only done a couple of interclubs, like 2-0. 2-0, um, and o, so you yeah. won both. Yeah. Feeling good? Feeling good, yeah. Yeah? I don't know why I'm doing it. I think I'm, I, I think I'm just doing it to keep fit, to be honest. Um, since my football days are over, I've got to do something to keep this belly down, you know? Don't tell me, man. Seriously, I'm literally going to go back after this. I'm like, fuck every trip. I'm like, I've got to sort this out. And, and I turn up in each location. I'm fatter each time. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna gonna train, get on the intermittent fasting, and see. Ooh, tell him about that. Danny's just read a report. Yeah, it was like the widest scale report they've ever done on intermittent fasting, and reckon it probably makes you have like a younger mortality. I don't know if it's true. That's what she's on. <laughs> I mean, I'm, paying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying oh, I probably shouldn't do it as the guy who literally does everything that will lead to an early death. So, like, <laughs> what's one more thing? No, I'm, I'm yeah. on that train. I'm on that train. Yeah. But is, was it by, like, some it central quite, it body? It significant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who it was by. All right. You know people who was... Yeah. Is it the NHS? Fuck you. Yeah, of course it's <laughs> Stitch me up. All right, Conor Oakes, right. good luck in your fight. Good to see you, man. Right. We'll see you in the UK soon. Yeah, 100%. Right. Thank you. We'll see you at Bethany. Thanks for having me, man. Alrighty, what did you think of that one? Even if you don't like football, is it cool to hear from someone who worked in football is now a Bitcoin developer? It's really quite the career transition from cool football player to Bitcoin nerd, but kind of did it, kind of crushed it. It's great to have had him involved in Real Bedford, playing for us, coming down to watch us play, giving us a bit of advice from the sidelines. Love that dude. Now, listen, as I said, we've got a surprise event coming up in Nashville on the 11th of July. It's been a quick turnaround, but we're going to have Preston Pish, Matt O'Dell for a live podcast at Bitcoin Park. I've also become a member of Bitcoin Park. You should definitely check that out. Love what they're doing there. Love what O'Dell and Rod are building over in Nashville. So if you want to come to that, please head over to whatbitcoindid.com. You can get a ticket on the WBD live section. And if you've got any questions about this or anything else, then hit me up on my email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. 